Welcome to the Pediatric Autism Wellness Support Podcast. We are providing practical applications in tricky situations for parents and providers of children on the autism spectrum. We are here to educate, advocate, and have a little fun along the way. Welcome back to another episode of the Pause Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Clark, and today we are going to be going over another tricky subject, which is a question I get a lot in clinic. How do I tell others about my child's diagnosis? Um, I feel like in today's society, we have a lot of pressure to talk about and share very private information. And I feel like this has really been a new push since the development of, you know, social media and the internet. There's this new confidence in sharing things that a lot of times would have been much more private. And um, I just want to say like, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, if you don't feel comfortable sharing that information with others, you don't have to. Uh, but let's go through some people groups that it may be important to share a child's diagnosis with. I'm going to start by just saying that healthcare providers are bound to a law called HIPAA. So HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. This was signed into law back in 1996, and that protects the healthcare information of our patients, which means we are legally obligated to keep health information private. We cannot share health information with anyone else without direct signed consent from the patient. And so I have that question a lot brought up to me after I've performed an evaluation and the parents will say, well, can you forward this on to my child's primary care provider or can you um, share this information with the school. And my answer is always the same. And I say, well, I I can, but you have to sign a consent form first. You have to send a release of information. However, my personal process in the pause clinic is that I release the information in written format. Um, I provide all of my patients with a formal packet that is a complete guide of the evaluation, exactly what we assessed for, exactly how the child has scored on these assessments, what diagnosis was awarded, if any, and what the recommendations are for this child going forward. And that's a very individualized process, but essentially all of that information gets mailed out to the parent and that is 100% confidential. I don't share that information with anyone but the parent unless the parent, like I said, signs a release of information. And then I can share that only with the people who are listed on the form. So uh, that HIPAA law really protects that child's information. So don't be worried if you are a parent who has had a child receive a diagnosis of autism, and maybe you don't agree with that diagnosis. Maybe you want a second opinion and you don't want that information put on your child's chart. It doesn't have to be. Um, It's a completely confidential process. That information should not be shared without a consent. And so if you want to seek a secondary evaluation, that is your right as a parent. And so um, if though you are on the other side of that, where you, you feel like that diagnosis is appropriate and 
you feel like there is a reason that sharing that information would be helpful, then there are certain people who, who I do think you should share that information with. And the first person that I obviously always recommend is that you share that information with the child's primary care provider. So your primary care provider should be your medical home for that child. Your primary care provider is also likely the individual who had referred the child out for that diagnostic evaluation. And so it makes sense that they should be aware of the results of that evaluation. Um, That's not always the case. Sometimes parents will self-refer. They don't feel supported by their primary care providers. And I would say if that's the case for you, if you have brought up concerns with your primary care provider about your child in these areas that you just know are not quite typical and they've recommended like a wait and see approach or they've just not really been on board and then your child's awarded an autism diagnosis, that may not be the best primary care provider for your child. They may not be um, as educated in in the world of autism, which I'll just put that out there. I don't want to be bashing any primary care providers because we don't receive a lot of, of education on individuals that are neurodivergent in our training. And so um, if you have a primary care provider that is willing to learn and to grow in their understanding of that, then I'm not saying you need to change providers, but um you know, you want to make sure that your child is cared for in the best way possible, regardless of diagnosis. And if you have a child with a diagnosis of autism, you want to make sure that their primary care provider has at least a basic understanding of what that is. Because um, a diagnosis of autism is almost never simply a diagnosis of autism. And what I mean by that is there are multiple co-occurring disorders, um, specifically in the mental health realm, such as like anxiety, depression, also in the neurodevelopmental disorders, such as like ADHD and ODD, but also just in like prime medical diagnosis. Um, So like epilepsy, for example, commonly co-occurs with autism, and that's very important for a primary care provider to be aware of. Um, So just know that your primary care provider should be your home for all of your medical care. They will refer out to specialists as needed for things that they don't feel confident in treating. And for autism, maybe they would refer you out for a, you know, neurodevelopmental pediatrician to just kind of touch base with you every now and then. That's not always the case. It's not always necessary. It really depends on the severity level of how that diagnosis is affecting that child, but just sharing that information with them can be very helpful. And so having that evaluation um, shared with the primary care provider, having a copy sent to their office, you could also set up a, you know, just a checkup, a wellness exam, something like that with them, and, and then share that information verbally with them during that appointment. I just think it's important for your primary care provider to be aware of that, um, someone else that it might be very helpful to share that information with would be the school system. So if your child is of school age, um, you should likely recommend an IEP meeting with the school if you haven't already, if that's not something already in place for your child. IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan. And these Children with autism diagnoses, sometimes they function very well in the classroom without any assistance, and sometimes they need a little bit of help because 
for example, a child with autism, they may do very well with very concrete um, things such as labeling letters, numbers, um, spelling, even they, they just seem to really thrive in some of those areas. But once you get in to later years, more advanced concepts, those critical thinking skills, you know, being able to um, read and apply situations, they may really struggle with that. Um, and they may need some one-on-one assistance or um, they may be overstimulated by certain things in the classroom and need to test in a calmer environment and need to have like a, a separate area. And so those are things that can be discussed in an IEP meeting. So sharing that that diagnosis with the school is is helpful sometimes to get some of those services available for the child. Um, you know, your child may not have any difficulty in school. They may be thriving. And so if that's the case, or maybe you're a homeschool parent or, you know, there's there's a lot of caveats to that. But I would say the majority of the time it's helpful to, to share that information with the school system. Um, and just because you're sharing it with the special education system, within your school doesn't mean that you need to share it with all of the other parents and all of the students of the children's grades. I mean, that is something that that can be helpful if you feel like you want to share that information. Um, I would say, you know, there there's this new push for neurodiversity affirmation and awareness to help, you know, end the stigma behind autism and other neurodevelopmental disorders. And you'll see that all the time on, you know, the Facebook pages, people are sharing that neurodiversity awareness, um, little infinity symbol. Um, parents are sharing stories of their children with autism and how they've navigated certain, you know, difficult areas or, or different topics about that. And that can be helpful. And if you feel confident in sharing your child's information in that way, then by all means, that's, that's your right. Um, but I would also kind of caution you because I feel very, um, very protective of any medical diagnosis, whether that is autism, whether that is diabetes. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I just, because I've been trained in the medical profession and I am bound to HIPAA, I just feel very personal, um, protection against any medical diagnosis. And so, I would kind of recommend that you let the child choose who and when to disclose their diagnosis to when they're ready. Um, Aside from healthcare professionals, such as your primary care provider, perhaps your dentist, I mean, there's certain people that it's probably very helpful for them to know about that diagnosis and they're not going to be sharing that information with other people. But um, as far as, you know, family, friends, social media, areas like that, um, you know, letting the child choose if and when they want to disclose their diagnosis could be helpful. And so sometimes, you know, your child has the capacity to understand their diagnosis and the implications behind it early on. I've had some parents tell me that they've, you know, been very open with their child about their diagnosis from the age of, you know, five or six on. And they, they feel like their child had the understanding and the ability to, to really process it at that age. And sometimes they don't, you may have a 25 year old that doesn't have the ability to understand the implications of their diagnosis and what that means. And so, um, you, that's very individualized and you have to decide how and when to share that information with your child in a time that they can really 
understand and, and grasp that. And until then you are the medical decision maker for your family. And so until your child is, is able and, and competent in making their own medical decisions, like it's up to you to share that. But as far as the social side of things, sharing it with family members, sharing it with friends, like you don't have to, you, you really don't. And it's, in my opinion, it's none of their business. Like your, your child is still a capable human being. They are still the exact same person they were when they were born and, and are loved and affirmed in the same way. But I would say that, you know, your, your close family, your close friends, they have probably questioned some of the delays or some of the um, behaviors that they've witnessed. And so sharing a diagnosis with them may make them more comfortable in understanding your child and give them some, some tools to understand how to interact with your child. And um, if you want to share that information, that's fine, but it's definitely not, it's not a necessary thing. Um, I will also say that it can be helpful to share your, your child's information with the local disability office. Um, You could be receiving some, services through the disability office by um, having a child's diagnosis of autism shared with them. Again, that's a personal choice. If you feel like you are getting all of the help and all of the services to, to properly support your child without needing to register them with the disability office, then that's, that's a personal choice, but it is recommended. There's a lot of, um, information and resources out there. And we'll probably have another episode on that later, just because I don't want to delve too deeply into all of that today. But um, it's just something to be aware of. And as far as your child disclosing their information and their um, diagnosis later in life, you know, that can be helpful in like secondary education settings. There are certain programs out there that are very supportive for for students entering their college education who have a diagnosis of autism. Um, And so sharing that information with that school system can be helpful. And then also it can be helpful for employers. If your child has has a, a job and you want that employer to be aware that, you know, that child has autism or that the child wants the employer to be aware that they have autism so that they know hey, I'm getting overstimulated. I need to take five minutes. I need to go reset myself. Or, um, you know, I can't work in in this area of this facility because the lights, the fluorescent lights are just way too bright for me. And it's gonna, I I can't handle that, but I can, I can work over in this area or, you know, something that simple than sharing that information with an employer may be helpful. Um, It doesn't always need to be shared though on the employer, depending on the child, depending on the sensory needs. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but I'm just saying like, sometimes that is helpful. And sometimes it may be helpful as a parent to share that information with your employer. So, um, if you have a child with autism that, you know, may have certain needs that other children and same age peers don't have, you may need to miss more time from work. You may have more days that you have to stay home with your child, or you may receiving more phone calls from the school to come pick your child up for some sort of a behavior or something of that form. So, um, I'm not saying that you need to tell them right away after a diagnosis has been made, but if this is a frequent problem for you and employers are questioning the reasoning behind all of these absences, it may be helpful just so that they can give you a little bit of grace. You know, I'm not leaving because, 
of my own personal needs. I'm leaving for the needs of my child. And, and hopefully you have an employer that's understanding in that. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. But um, that may be something that needs to be shared. Or if your employer just needs some form of a medical excuse, you could have the doctor write an excuse. Um, or you could just say, hey, it's a personal reason for my child. I need to leave. And you don't have to disclose any information. Um, but that that sometimes is helpful to share that information with your employer. So um, just a quick recap here so we can kind of sign off. I just want to say, remember, your your child's health information is completely confidential. It is not ever required of you to share that information. It is helpful for you to understand your child, for your child to understand themselves, but it could also be very helpful for you to share that information with healthcare providers, with therapists, with the school systems, potentially with disability um, services. If you need some help and some support from that area, it may not always be helpful to share that information with close family or friends, but it can be. And so kind of testing the waters with that and seeing who you, who you trust with your child and whether or not that's important to you. Um, it can be helpful to share your information on social media. If you feel a strong connection with, you know, creating a neurodiversity affirmation and awareness um, theme on your social pages. That's fine. It's not always, um, it's not required by any means. And also if your child has the ability to truly understand the implications of their diagnosis and what that means and how they choose to identify with that, it can definitely be left up to the child on who and when they should disclose that information. And I would say for your parents out there who have children who have been diagnosed very young, um, so maybe your child's two or three or four and and you're not ready to share that information yet or they, um, they don't understand that yet, I would really, really recommend that you try very hard not to share that information with anyone until your child is at an age where they can make that decision for themselves. And it may never come, you know, like I, I gave the example of the 25 year old that wasn't um, able to understand their diagnosis and the implications behind it. And that could be the case, but I would really recommend that you err on the side of caution because I think it's better that you, you make your child as informed as possible and allow them to be a vital role in their healthcare decision-making team when it's appropriate. You are the default um, decision-maker for their medical team until they are capable. Um, But there are risks and benefits to both oversharing and undersharing. So just try to be cautious. Um, Choose what you feel like is the most helpful for your family, for your child, if that's sharing it with other family members to, to create a support system. Great. If you feel like your family would not be supportive and that would be detrimental to your child then choose not to. Um, and if you need help deciding who to share your, your diagnosis with, then I would recommend that you make those conversations happen with your healthcare professionals, with your medical team. Um, primary care provider, your therapists, um, whoever, maybe that's something you need to talk about with your um, pastor or other members that you feel you really trust in your in your own social circles. So don't ever feel like you're in this alone. Create a supportive team around you and go from there. 
with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of the Pause Podcast, and I look forward to talking to you all again soon.